Welcome to the Talk and Chatter Experience, powered by Gasoline Alley Harley Davidson, Early Motorcycle Tires Australia, and TCX Boots. <laughs> Mate, freshly back from Dakar. Welcome, Toby Price. Mate, yeah, good to be back home. And uh, yeah, Dakar was uh, definitely a, an adventure this trip. So, but a better one, that's for sure. Congratulations on the result. Um, it's your first second place. That's a um, it's a fantastic bloody result after what was probably one of the most brutal Dakars in recent history. What do you think of that? Yeah, for sure. The, this year they they really uh, they kind of tested us pretty hard. I think. Um, yeah, I think by by day eight, um, I think we were only like four hundred kilometres uh, short of the twenty twenty two Dakar. So um, yeah, there was a uh, just long days, long liaison rides, big stages. Um, yeah, by the end of it there, it was like 44 hours total, uh, time racing, but yeah, nine and a half thousand kilometers of racing. It's, uh, it's a slog, that's for sure. Man, it's, it's unbelievable. Like you look at that statistic at the end and what was it? 43 seconds was the result. First to second. Yeah. Those 43 seconds, I think are going to haunt me for the rest of my <laughs> life. But, um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Like after that amount of time racing to be 43 seconds off, um, realistically is not much all it, all it was is one mistake um on my behalf a little bit uh but yeah at the end of the day too they I think they wanted to kind of cause some carnage on that last day and uh doing the wpps which are waypoint um which are waypoints in the gps and they only have a validation point of 20 meters so most of the time, all our waypoints have a ra- radius of about 90 metres up mm. to 300 metres. So you go from the length of a almost a football field for a validation point to basically, yeah, uh, under, half of the, under the half of the football field um, for, yeah, basically a validation point. So, and then on top of that, they basically did the, the first 40 kilometres with WPPs um, then all the waypoints went back to normal till 100 kilometres. Then the last 35 kilometres were back at WPPs for 20 metre validation points again. So, yeah, they um, they definitely threw some curveballs in there and had some fun. How do you remember that on the fly? Like, because like uh, just sitting here at home, you, you, we seen two points at that point. We seen I think it's about 40. Yep. And then 103. Yeah. That was only two points we see, obviously. Yep. Um, so you obviously have your your markers that you you go by. I forget the name of them now, but that's what you're talking about by the validation points, eh? Yeah, that's right. So WPP um, is a waypoint um, that they have, which basically uh, they mainly use those in really like tight technical areas where you have to stay on this one certain main piece or anything. They don't really play with them too much being in the desert, um, being a wide open space, wide open area where you can pretty much go everywhere. It's like if you're going through between an orchard or something Mm -hmm. and you have to stay on a certain road that keep the farmer happy type thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you have like WPCs, which are, um, yeah, other like waypoints with a bit of a different radius points. Um, You have WPSs. what else? Uh, WPM. So these are all different waypoints, but they all have different like um, uh, points that you actually have to hit. So 90 meter validation um, radius mm-hmm. that you've got to hit. And then, yeah, like the WPP, which is a down into a 20 meter radius yeah. point. So, 
yeah, and that's it. Like to try and remember all that stuff on the fly while doing 100 and 140 kilometres an hour. Um, yeah. To then remember, yeah, the first 40 kilometres is this this yeah. style. Then in from 40 kilometres to 100 kilometres is this style. And then the last 35 kilometres is this style again, back yep. to WPP. It's, yeah, it was a lot to try and juggle on that last day. And then plus it just being pouring down rain. So people were drowning bikes, getting stuck. So, yeah, like at the end of the day, anything could have happened. I could have dropped from first place to fifth place by drowning a bike or getting stuck in a mud hole to, yeah, finishing a second place. I, I can't be too disappointed. But, yeah, like I say, 43 seconds, it's a mm. uh, very, very short period of time. You say that in a motocross race, you win a mo motocross race by 43 seconds. Yep. It's a 30-minute moto um, that's a, that seems like a, it, it is a lot yeah. for sure. But after you've raced for 44 hours, um, total yeah. 43 seconds is my minor, minor. <laughs> <laughs> it's the closest ever result at the yeah. end of a Dakar, um, in history. So usually by then the last day you've got 15 minutes minimum to like 40 minutes coming into the last day. And then last yep. day is an easy cruisy laid back day but yeah. last day here was pinned and wide open for 135 hoping for the best it, it we'll, we'll probably get to the end of it a bit more but it shows the caliber of rider between your top group um on the last day to be separated by no time that's yeah. as fast as that stage can go yeah you know there's no nothing else you know that that's pretty you know it's just a race to the end at that point it's yeah cool. pretty much that's it and that's like my mistake was at um, that waypoint and like I say, for sure as anything, I know that's what cost me the 43 seconds, wow. um, which yeah, kind of definitely hurts. But uh, like I say, end of the day, I'm home in one piece. This is probably the first time in many of years that I've came back to Australia and landed and went straight home instead of going straight to the hospital to get something fixed. So yep. I guess in one way too, that's a bit of a bonus, but, um, yeah, now I guess I've got the full collection first, second and third. Yep. Um, so yeah, two first, a second and three thirds. So got the full collection, um, would be nice yeah, to add that third one. And like I say, even just from this year, I know I can still do it. Now I can still run at the front, which is, um, which is good. Where does it start? Like, I think last year's bike was the the new bike, eh? I think last year you ran a new... Yes, yeah, yeah last year was a new time with a, a new chassis, new, new chassis frame and everything. Yep. yep, yep. So I guess everything from last year starts preparation to this point, doesn't it? To get to get to this stack, are you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yep. So literally probably already in a week, week and a half's time, preparation is basically well underway for Dakar 24. So it's wow. just... It, it never ends. It, that's Dakar is the main race everyone wants to be racing at, um, winning at, and, yeah, doing their best at. So it's, um, yeah, the World Championship rounds are definitely important, but they are mainly just some good test ground for us and yeah. um, try and stay, yeah, fit and healthy, uh, no injuries, and then just get through to the to the end of the year and, uh, yeah, they're full gas and attack on the, in January. How, how did, uh, like, uh, you have your last test in sort of first week of December, somewhere around that? Last week of November, somewhere around that, is that? Is that last sort of test time on the bike before you get to go? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, this year, well, last year, yep. um, yeah, we went, like, end of November, start of December. Yep. Um, first time in a couple of years I was home for Christmas, which was pretty nice. I was stoked yep. on that. And, um, 
Yeah, I guess, I don't know, it just it puts you in a better mind frame, I guess. So the previous two years for Dakar, which were mediocre results for us, um, I was living basically in a shoebox in a hotel room in Dubai. And yeah, I'm like I say, living in Dubai, there's nothing wrong with it for sure. But when you're, um, yeah, in a, in a shoebox by yourself, basically, and yep. um, chilling out, relaxing and doing nothing on Christmas Day instead of, yeah, hanging out with family and friends and stuff. It was nice to just, yeah, give you a bit better feeling and attitude, I guess, going yep. into the race and, um, yeah, it kind of uh, worked out well for us. But we were in the States the first week of December. Um, that was basically our last um, shakedown kind of test and final decisions on suspension and um, parts and everything that we, yep. we wanted. And then, um, yeah, came home for a couple of weeks there and, and then, uh, yeah, off straight after after Christmas for, for the big one. Are you someone that changes heaps of stuff? Like uh, you've found a pretty good recipe and just stick to that or what happens there? Yeah, for me, like I, I really try not to change too much. Um, yeah, like if I, I know there's an issue and I know there's a problem, um, I'll start trying to fix something. But yeah. um, if I know I'm close and in the ballpark, like, yeah, might the bike might work really well on the rocks, but then the bike to work well on the rocks is more of a softer setting and just a bit more plush. But then as soon as you get into the sand dunes and the hard G-outs and drop-offs yep. and stuff, the bike's going to bottom out and pretty much turn to turn to crap on you. Yeah. So you've got to have a – like over Dakar, you've got to have a really good, um, I guess, like medium kind of setting. Mm. You can't – it's not going to be perfect everywhere. So – um, as long as I'm able to control the bike and feel comfortable at, at high speeds, for me, crashing sucks all to, to begin with. Yeah. But for me, I'd rather crash at 30, 40, 50 kilometres an hour than crashing at 120, 30 kilometres an hour. So I kind of focus on a fair bit of just trying to get the bike stability at high speed sorted um, and then slowly try and work out a way to try and make the bike work and turn better in... Yeah. tricky tight areas or working in the stones and stuff so you've got to have a yeah you've got to have a bit of um give or give and take in the in the setting a little bit for us when, when day one began this year um how, how did it like how did it feel this year like obviously coming in from like yeah under i guess you undersell it in a way of sitting in the hotel room because it's like those last two years man you had like six months of pretty much solitary you know like yeah. it's yeah. you know it's not playing a victim on that. It's a pretty full-on two years coming into that. I guess yeah. getting into day one this time, a lot more relaxed, feeling good after Christmas at home and then flying over. Yeah. Um, how that feel, getting straight in? Yeah, that's it. Like, it's like I say, yeah, um, <coughs> at the end of the day, like it's, I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing for sure, yep. but it's, um, yeah, when you just you are kind of locked away in the corner for those last couple of years and um, spending seven months of the year overseas when realistically you're not, planning to do that um like it's a different story like if i knew i was gonna pack up shift shop and move to europe and yep. commit that way then you'd be in a different mindset to it but when half of all your stuff's still here family's still here and you still live here but then you're stuck and stranded overseas yep. and you like to say you feel stuck and stranded overseas but still i was right riding enjoying myself and having fun and everything but yeah for sure when you finish your day you go back to a hotel room and just 
sit on your own, yep. you're just like, meh, this is uh, kind of boring. What, should, what can I go and do? And, yep. yeah, you just try and make up things to go and do, take your mind off it. So, um, yeah, going into this year was definitely a lot better. Um, like I say, I had Christus at home and then um, I basically then went straight from, what was it? I think it was 20, 27th I flew out. So day after Boxing Day, yep. um, went, flew out, flew to Saudi and then um, – landed this year there was like when we first landed there was like no hotel rooms nothing so we went straight to the campers Mm. um in the bivouac and then basically had two three nights in the um campus straight up um but that just gave us in some way it was kind of good to do it that way because we could set our camper up we had pretty much all day to sort it all out but as soon as we landed, we went straight to um, do shakedown on the bike, make sure everything was all good and what we needed and yep. what we wanted, felt comfortable. And um, and then, yeah, the next day was then setting all the camper up. The following day was then doing all the sign-ins, scrutineerings and the checks. And then basically uh, New Year's Eve, we were um, prologue day. So it was, um, wow. yeah, this year they started on New Year's Eve. So it was... Uh, that was definitely a bit of a different feeling yeah. as well because normally, yeah, you're sitting in a hotel or would be sitting in the camper and, um, yeah, you're on New Year's Eve getting ready for day one of yep. prologue or day one of racing. So, yeah, the uh, New Year's Eve was very, very quiet for us and, um, yep. yeah, I think our first morning after prologue we were up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning and getting ready to start uh, the liaison in the morning. Wow. Yeah. That's just, that's just thrown straight in, eh? Yeah, it's just straight, straight in. Straight yeah. into the deep end. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, if you can't hold your head up at the deep end, um, yeah, you're in some trouble. So it's, uh, yeah, we um, we kicked all, uh, like, the race off really well. This year we got, um, what was it, the top 10, uh, I think it was top 10 or top 15. We got to choose our starting position. Yep. So prologue was kind of important. Um and then because there was uh, 27, I think it was, GP riders, which is the top class yep. um, in, in Dakar, uh, we got the first 10 got to choose in that top 27 group. Mm. So if I wanted to start 27th, then I could start 27th. So, yeah, we, we ended up winning prologue. Um, so, yeah, really good way to kick. Um, the race off that meant then I got to choose my position last and I think I put myself in about the mid pack yep. of the group so I knew I had a couple of good navigators in front of us and a couple of good ones behind us if they decided to charge and push and um, yeah and then basically day one we just um, yeah kicked off nice and fairly steady but yeah, the boys on the first couple of days were, were on a charge and yep. wanting to go on a rampage. And then, uh, yeah, what, there was 40Ks in on day one. I uh, come around in this little tight, rocky, snotty little riverbed and next thing I could see um, my camper buddy at that time, Sam Sunderland, yep. laying on the deck. And, um, phew, yeah, it's it's crazy. That's how quick it, this sport can change is it he won... Dakar last yeah. year, won the world championship on a yeah really big high. The guy trains super hard, rides nearly every single day, and then yeah, one stone, one yeah. something 
out of place and it can all come to a complete stop. So, yeah, it was rough. But then at the end of the day, then I had a, a full camper to myself for the whole <laughs> rally. So, like, I don't want to see him leave and go out of the race. Love having the bloke around and having a joke and a laugh. But, uh, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that camper to myself and yep. um, didn't have to li- and smell his stinky boots in the afternoon and yeah. <laughs> yeah, stinking the place out <laughs> for us. Oh, man, it's... It is so quick though, isn't it? 40 yeah. k's in, it's, um, you know, and, and no doubt on that end of it and, you know, we'd all be in the same situation just kicking yourself at that point too, hey? Just so much, what, what do you do, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like um, it, it's because the race is so long and it's massive big distance, um, end of the day, if something's going to go wrong and you're going to be out of the race, I would prefer it to be within the first two, maybe three days. Yeah. Um, whereas then you have like case that, um, Matthias Walkner had, mm. he was second last day. So he'd already pretty much done the whole rally. Yep. He was, I think about a hundred kilometers on that stage plus the liaison. So probably in total, he was a thousand kilometers short, yep. um, of completing the whole thing. Um, that's got to hurt like as well like because you just like I've just broke my backside the whole two weeks um so for me yeah like I say I'd prefer to bomb out in the first two to three days because then you're just like well yeah I'm busted and broken but I didn't go and cover 9,000 kilometers (laughs) and come up 500 kilometers short so but it's it that's what it is that's that race it just designed to break man and machine it can do it in the very first second it can do it at the very last second and um yeah but uh both boys are good which is the main priority sammy's um pretty certain i think he should be all good for abu dhabi um and walkner was going in for checks um which yeah he kind of had tingling and a bit of numb feeling in the legs um which is never a good sign um but yeah, I think all checks all uh, were getting done. But the checks he had there, well, he was in a good way. They put him in a back brace. He flew back to Austria yeah. and um, getting all sorted. So wow. yeah, it was crazy. Mate, you're you're much of a fan of motorsport as I am. It, globally, things have gotten fast. Like you look at Bathurst, you look at 1000. Yep. It's a sprint race the whole way. Yeah. Since 2015, when you got in there, yep. has, it, has it just gotten faster and faster and faster? Like there's certain rules that have tried to make it slower. Don't yes. get me wrong, yep. but it seems so sprint race orientated for the amount of time that you're actually on the bike. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it's <laughs> it's like from when yeah, I was kind of explaining to the boys while I was there with with the team and that it's um, when I came in at 2015, um, Mark Comer and all them guys were um, basically had like a trail riding pace, yep. and then towards the end was when they'd start to position themselves well and everything. Whereas now, like when I came in in 2015, I guess that I brought a different pace to mm. the to the first week a little bit. Um, and then, like I say, yeah, I won in 2016. Um, and I think it was like 40 minutes or something. I ended up winning by my first one. So, yeah, like I brought a different style of pace in. And now we're kind of starting to see that role reversal part again. So it's like... Um, I'm at that point where Mark Comer is, and yep. then now we're seeing young guys like Sanders, um, Mason Klein, 
all these younger guys, basically it's like the old me in 2015 that wow. will come in and they, yeah, they, they ride extremely well. Um, they let it hang out a little bit more. They like to take that risk, whereas where I like to take those risks back in 2015 because yep. I was like, well, my body's my body. I don't care about it. It's all good. It'll heal. It'll fix itself yep. up. I'll, I'll break myself trying to win this race. Whereas now it's like I've been able to compete in a couple and it's like, oh, it just be, would be nice to go home in one piece mm. one time and not have to be in a hospital bed as soon as I land back in Australia and trying to get something fixed and um, everything like So, yeah, like for sure the mind shifts a little bit, but it's at the end of the day too, the body doesn't heal as quick as it used to back when I was that young 21 yep. to 27-year-old. Um, things do just take that little bit longer to heal. So you got to kind of look after yourself a little bit more now. But, yeah, you, know, you start to see this pace of the young kids. They're like, yep. Balls out. Let's. I'm. I'm going for it today. It's all enough. I'm going for broke. Right, so it's. It's good. Like it's good to see the sport starting to grow and yep. get bigger and better. And I think, like I say, Mason is only like. Twenty one, twenty two, wow. something like that. So, yep. the kid's got plenty of years left in him to to win a Dakar. Um, but, but yeah, you just hope that the recipe at the moment doesn't cause any. Yep. drama for later on in life whereas that's what yeah i'm 30 broken bones deep now and i do find myself a little bit harder to get up in the morning and start to get moving and um little bits and pieces like that but it's all part of it i wouldn't change it for the world and um once i'm warmed up all good yep. set ready to go and yeah it's, still i have that like personality in me that yeah when i put the helmet on and when the time counts and when the time's right, I'll, I'll drop the hammer and go for it full gas. Yep. Um, definitely at that point in time, you don't think of an injury or getting hurt, but yeah, when it does go wrong, it's usually a big one. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's such a, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard mix now. Yeah. Like it's, like I say, I've still got, I'm hoping another good two, three years left yep. in me um, to be super competitive, but I know when I was, yeah, 2015, um, I, I knew I could be competitive and I knew I had the pace. Um, I still know I have the pace now, but you try and control it a little bit more. So yeah. it's, um, no, it's interesting. It's it's cool to see the sport getting uh, faster and, yeah, hopefully uh, being the older guy, I can yep. keep up with those younger guys. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like, raw speed's still there. Look at Prolog. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's, exactly. it's still there. It's just time and place, I guess. It's yep. knowledge, isn't it? You've got yep. knowledge. It's, it's just that knowledge and just, uh, yeah, knowing when the time's right to do it. Mm. Um, and I knew prologue was going to be pretty important. Um, so, yeah, when when I need to drop the hammer and go for it full gas, um, I still know I've got the speed to do it. And yep. that's, that's what, yeah, at the end of the day, it's not trying to blow my own trumpet and my own whistle, really, but... I, I, I just know I can still ride the bike and still do what I need to do. But then there's other days where I know, yep, she's that guy just went by and I think I'll just let him yep. go a little bit because, yeah, it's uh, – you, you see guys when you go to the casino, you can't go to the casino 14 days in a row and come out the other side winning by putting it all on red or black. So mm. there's going to be that one day that you put it on red and it's going to come up black. Yeah. And that's 
the role reversal of, yeah, you've put it all on red, you've gone yeah. full gas and crashed and hurt yourself. So it's, um, yeah, you, you, whereas before, like if someone kind of came around me and passed me, I'd like, ah, yeah, cool. I'll, I'm going <laughs> to jump on the back of him and I'll, I'll blow back by him and show him, show him who's boss really. Yep. And then, um, but at the end of the day too, then it just like, you didn't, didn't really need to do it. It was just like that hunger. It was just like the, the greyhound with that rabbit running yep. out in front of him. You just wanted to chase him down and go. Um, but yeah, so you know, you just, you kind of, you pick your times right when you need to and um, yeah, charge on when you, when you have to. Is it, is it more fun? doing it like that like it sort of a bit of strategy more not a bit more strategy maybe like it sort of seems you know it's good to win you know 14 stages outright would be fantastic however yeah it's pretty hard yes. red or black yep. sort of what you said yeah but a bit of strategy in there pretty fun too i guess yeah 100 percent. like that's what there's definitely a lot of strategy in it now mm. um but when you say strategy in it like it we don't know what the hell's going on in the whole racetrack so it's like yeah that's the other thing too is that like you might have put yourself in a 12 place start thinking perfect this is exactly what i wanted this is the strategy i want to play but then you don't know what the guy in fifth place is doing because he's 25 30 minutes mm. in front of you down the track he might have absolutely blitzed the day and yeah you you don't know you feel like you're doing a good pace and you get in at the end of the stage and go oh damn I'm six minutes down like wow. i started behind i should have been towards the front i should have just went a little bit harder so yep. it's there like i say there is a lot of strategy in it but then there's also a lot of not like not all luck but you've got to have some luck for your yep. way a bit as well so it's um yeah it's it's one of them races that you can't really predict um, what you do, you just, you got to try and do the best that you can each day, what you think and feel is the right kind of decision. And then just kind of at the end of the day, hope it really is the right decision. Yep. So there might've been one or two stages where I feel like I could have went a bit quicker and then you're like, well, is that the difference of that 43 seconds or, but at the end of the day, I know that last stage, that one waypoint that I went. I think it was about 1.23 kilometres wow. down the track. Then it was saying I was missing a waypoint to then turn around and come back, get that waypoint um, in that 20-metre validation point to then turn around and go back that way again. Yeah. There's there's my 48 seconds or 43 seconds gone. So there could have been other stages that I could have went two minutes quicker yeah. and then that 43 seconds was no better. So it's it, it just one of them things. It's how it played out. Um, and end of the day, I'm happy. Like it's, it's for sure not what we set out to do, but, um, to come home with some hardware and like I say, not in a hospital bed, yep. getting fixed. That's a, that's a pretty big win in my book. And for the team, you know, one, two, that's a, yeah, you that's know, it. chuck that in there as well. Like it's a damn good result for that. So yeah, hundred percent. That's <laughs> it. Like, um, Kevin did an amazing job and rode extremely well um and that's his first win with the kdm brand and yep. um second win in in dakar so um no it's cool cool to see and yeah finishing second um and then yeah skylar howes finishing third he really did put on a, a good show this year and yep. did a, did an extremely good job and to battle with those two guys basically that all that last week um yeah was was some pretty stressful nights but uh <laughs> yeah like i say we could only just ride the bike as best we could feel and um 
yeah, we, we, we did a good job, I guess, for, for KDM to come out one, two, which was rad. Absolutely. Rip into stage two, stage two. What happened there? Like, how's everything going there at that point? Yeah, look, <clears throat> honestly, like for me, the first week is not like it, it's important. Um, stage two. Yeah, we were just basically trying to stay consistent and stay within that top. I guess like top five to top eight um, group Um, and then just, yeah, really kind of not losing so much time. Um, So, yeah, nothing really too crazy happened on stage two and, um, yeah, basically we're just just trying to tick kilometres. So, like, for me it's just trying to get through that first week healthy and not have – a crash or an injury or try and band-aid yep. something up and fix things up and because um, then that's just going to make week two hell of a lot worse for you. So yeah. that was all going good. I think like um, stages one, two, three and four were, were quite good for us. Um, I think it was around stage five or six. No, I think it was six that um, – yeah, uh, myself and Bereda had a bit of a run-in. Mm. Um, but was, yeah, like no fault of my own and sure as no fault of his either. Like he basically, um, we'd made a little uh, navigation mistake um, a little bit earlier on trying to find a waypoint, um, which was a WPC out in the middle of the desert, trying to find a 90-metre radius point, um, super difficult to do. And... We basically were just in this area of just a lot of like off-piste like kind of tracks. So there was um, just little roads and stuff going everywhere and we had a cap average to follow. And um, we started just pulling more left, more left and not realising it, we were starting to go off cap a little bit. And um, once we got down to the kilometre and there was no waypoint there, um, yeah, the panic stations kick in and... um, then from there, we were starting to search a little bit. Uh, literally, um, after we were looking at the um, uh, the G, like the trails that were on like live tracking timing there yep. and stuff, I think we were about two, three hundred meters short of opening the arrow, um, and virtually thought we'd gone too far along. So then we turned around and came back and started going the other direction, thinking it was that way because if it hasn't opened over there, then it must be back to the left. And, yeah, actually turned out to be we were still heading the right kind of direction, but when the arrow would open on the GPS, it was going to be more of an angle like this instead of going straight into it. Wow. So, yeah, when you look back at that, you're like, geez, it was – all I had to do was like 200, 300 metres more and I would have been happy days. Um, but then we, yeah, I think we lost about probably five, six minutes there just out searching around, but everyone at that point, because we were like first on the trail, first on track, um, everybody pretty much followed our tracks. Wow. And then by the time they got there, we'd pretty much already fixed it. But then when they're looking at the ground, there's a track going this way there's a track going that way there's a track coming back this way and there's just lines going everywhere yeah then they go oh i realize i haven't been looking at the road book i've just been following trail all day then they're like well which way do i go there's 
tracks going everywhere and so then they end up getting a little bit lost as well. So yep. you don't lose so much time. So like on average last year, everyone that would start at the front, you would lose anywhere from about 15 to 17 minutes average. So the average time that people we kind of got lost this year was about five to six minutes. So it wow. definitely... They made a big improvement on road books. They were explaining things a whole heap better for us. Um, they weren't trying to pull some bits and pieces in the road book of going like, because normally like a cap average is from note to note. And that's what kind of killed my result last year was that they gave us a cap average. And then in the little box on the right-hand side, they said et, which is then at 400 meters uh, follow track. Mm. And then, but then the cap then basically went and turned back around to like cap 140 instead of it being a cap average of 210 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So the way they explained it in briefing is that you get a cap average is from note to note. So we just kept following cap average going mm, and no waypoint would open up, nothing would whatever. And that's where I lost that 45 minutes last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this year they didn't really kind of pull anything like that it was definitely explained a lot better in the road book and yep. um the navigation was more on point um so yeah the 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 time lost this year wasn't as much of a big difference as what it was last year and then uh yeah as we got to refuel um we refueled the bikes up took off into the stage um by then um adrian um from the honda honda team he basically got up and just in front and then we were just starting to jump onto the back with him yep. and um and then yeah Bereta tried to basically i guess he was sick of sitting behind me um he wanted to get behind his teammate and just as he basically i, I was riding along pretty much on the trail and then he's kind of pull out around to the left and um overtake me and then just came over this little bit of a crest and it just went straight into like huge little mounds of camel grass, which is like just hard lumps of dirt. Yeah. And um, yeah, this thing just high-sided him off the bike. Then the bike's basically turned a 90 to its left and then just shot straight across in front of me and um, just plowed into him and the bike more or less. Yeah. I, I think I hit the bike pretty hard, but then he also... He had like a good like rubber mark, tire mark wow. on his helmet, but I don't know if it's from his bike or I hope I didn't hit him. I, we still don't even know. It happened that damn quick. And then uh, next thing, yeah, I was on my face and um, he was out cold, asleep on the ground. Um, I'd flipped over the front, landed fair on my back, kind of like winded me a little bit, but the worst bit was it, um, it popped my camel back um, oh, no. in, in my jacket. So as I was getting up, then I could just feel all my hydration fluid just basically leaking all down the back of me, into my pants, down into my boots, and then I'm, like, drenched. And it was kind of cold this year, so the rest of the ride for the afternoon was freezing with that. Wow. Yeah, basically being drenched for the afternoon. But, yeah, that was basically my, my first week. Besides that incident, like I'd pretty much got through scot free, and yeah, I'd, I kind of jacked my back up a, just a little bit, and then that I was kind of managing that through the whole 
rest of the race, but um, it wasn't that major that I had to, yeah, kind of re-snap myself back into a different shape or nothing. It was just, yeah, I just had some sore muscles and pulled some muscles in my left side of my back and, um, yeah, and then we had, uh, it was then stage seven for us got cancelled um, due to some flash flooding. So Saudi Arabia basically say that they only get 11 days of rain uh, mm. per year. And uh, I think by that point then, we'd already had three or four days <laughs> of pretty much yeah. rain pouring down. And for us, so it was just, yeah, wake up in the morning, straight into the water, straight in the cold, trying to keep the hands warm. And then, uh, yeah, the cars started getting stuck after us on that stage six. Yep. So they then just decided... Um, then on not, not only on top of that, stay yeah. So we finished stage six. Um, they had the road book, and then we were riding to the bivouac. Basically, we're showing we're about four kilometres short of the bivouac, and um, pouring down rain, dealing with Saudi Arabians on the road. It was like national off-road June bash desert day in Saudi Arabia. There was like thousands of people in the dunes and um so yeah we're waiting just to have a head on with someone or something like that we got to this last little point of the uh road book and then nothing started to make sense in the thing and we're like uh there's meant to be a road here but there's nothing so maybe it's another kilometer up the road and we just kept riding oh, and no. we found this road we're like oh maybe that's it so we'll take this and then before we knew it we were out for about an extra hour, hour and a half, trying to find our way back to the bivouac. Um, and then once, basically, we'd searched everywhere we possibly could. Yep. Um, then another couple of riders were showing up exactly the same spot. So we're like, well, everyone's reading the same as what we are, so what the hell's going on here? One of the boys um, pulled, uh, pulled the phone out and just asks your team, hey, where the hell's a bivouac? Like, we're at the end of the road book yep. and we cannot see you guys anywhere. We're drenched, we're cold, we're tired, this is not on. They sent them a location point and we were 32 kilometres from the bivouac still. Oh, no. And we're like, what the hell? Like, where the hell did this all go wrong? And then everyone's showing up. And so, yeah, we started heading up the road, got to the bivouac, um coming in the gate and I was just like, hey, boys, like, what the hell's going on? Like, this is, we were 32 kilometres from here yep. and the road book's telling us to be there and we were nowhere near you guys and that. And they're like, well, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, we followed the road book. And I said, and by the time we got to, like, the last probably five or six notes, it just turned to absolute shit and nothing matched up, nothing lined up. Yep. We were a million miles from everything and... We were, yeah, 32 kilometres and f from the bivouac. And they just basically went, oh, shit, ha, ha, fool, that's no good. Like, that's pretty rough. And I'm like, what, what are what you happened? laughing about this situation? I said, mate, you've got a serious problem on your hands. Like, yeah. everybody is 32 kilometres from here. Yeah. So you should be not really laughing about the situation. You should be jumping on a call to try and fix the problem. Like, yep. so I was just like, 
give me my bag and I'm getting out of here before yep. I really lose my temper right now because <laughs> I'd already yep. spent an hour and a half extra out there and um, drenched, cold, freeze, and just wanted to get food. Um, so, yeah, I was like, I just want to get in bed and go to sleep. So it's just get ready for another day, forget about that part. And, yeah, if you think it's funny, mate, go for gold. Like, But you're going to have a lot of pissed off people when you get to, yeah. when they get to this bivouac. So... Yeah, and then um, stage seven then basically cancelled that for us because we figured out the problem, blah, 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 and then they worked it out then they've got a big issue on their hands. So then they started redirecting the cars straight back to the bivouac. Um, but then, yeah, some guys didn't get in till like 9, 10 o'clock like, um, mm. from that mistake. So, yeah, stage seven, they cancelled the bikes but then sent the cars mm. out on that stage. That's unbelievable, eh? Yeah. What are, I've known you for a few years now, but that stuff happens, eh? Like oh, yeah. just random things. Just yeah, random, out of control, like out of your hands, yep. things like that can happen um, to then trying to explain it to people and not <laughs> them ha- not them not being on the ground there. Mm. It's like, for it, and it's super frustrating because like you get a liaison for 140 kilometres and you're like, it's going to take for it. Like, yeah, okay, it's only going to take an hour and 15 minutes because yep. we can travel at 110, 20 kilometres an hour on the road. Yep. But you've already done a 350-kilometre stage and 300 kilometres in the morning and yep. you're just like, all I want to do is just get back, have a shower, eat some food, rest a little bit, get ready for another day. And then when you're stuck out there for that much longer... It is like this is eating into my time to recover yep. and get ready for the next day. And, um, yeah, but that stuff can happen in the blink of an eyelid and people don't see it, don't understand it. And, um, yeah, you've got to try and explain it the easiest way possible on the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, like we looked at that. Like, there's just a whole lot of things with timing anomalies, anomalies as well. You're just, like, looking from here. Yeah. Like, oh, how's it? And and I I don't want to knock anyone, but the app just seems to get harder every year. <laughs> like I, I might be pretty silly, like I think I am, but yeah, it's just so hard to read. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I don't have to sit there and yeah. read that because I think that's probably more complicated than my, reading the road. It could is, be, so. man, because I'm like on my side of it, like we're sitting over here, I'm like, oh, the map's not opening. This, yeah, how I don't know. It's a few years now. Yeah, the, the app just seems to get harder to read. I'm not trying to knock organisers, but. Man, it's got to be easier than this. I know yeah. you're in the remotest possible parts of the world too, but yeah, yeah. it's got to be easier some things. Yeah, you know? you got to get old this Starlink or something and start streaming it over there and going that way with it a bit. So It's the future. It's the future, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, so then, oh, then we, we, well, the motorcycle guys, then I guess we had some entertainment on yep. day seven because then uh, the car guys then yeah. didn't have our tracks to... Uh, follow in the sand dunes and the desert and wow. everything like that. So then, uh, yeah, we got to see a little bit of chaos and carnage of cars going backwards and left, right and so trying how, to search for stuff. How was that with terrain and that at that point? Like after all the rain and everything and going to see catch up with the cars through that, they, they must have just had a terrible time through through that stage. Yeah, through through stage seven, I think it was, yeah, it was definitely difficult for them. Um, that's the worst part is it's like, uh, when when a storm comes through um, and a flood at that point too, yep. and being that it's a country built on sand, 
mm. the the ground changes a hell of a lot. So yep. when they're going out like that, then the road books then instead of it being like a precise, like tuned yep. piece of paper for for your racetrack, it then just becomes a bit of a tour guide wow. road book for you because it can completely change certain areas that like they've driven through two three four days earlier then made the road book probably two three months prior to it yep um and then like yeah when they did it four days ago it was perfectly smooth through here but then you have a flash flood come through and next thing there's all of a sudden a huge big washout um that then they're like well it's yeah it's part of dakar like it's it's one of them things that's not really. Like at the end of the day, we're risking our life to, I guess, we want to risk our life to do what we want to do and race bikes. But we we are the show for Dakar, and it's like you are kind of a bit of a puppet on strings to make their show look good. Yep. But yeah, you're risking your life for it on something that's now not accurate. Because yeah, flash flood comes through, and then you see people go, "Oh, stop being a pussy for it! Like it's it's good to get out there and it, just go and ride it, it, ride to the conditions." And it's like, well, we don't know the conditions now. Like, yeah. there's a huge big washout that we can be going through there at 140 kilometers an hour, and the road book says it's all good, and to try and stop a bike from 140 kilometers an hour to a massive big ravine yeah. and a square edge bank the other side, that there can just take you out of the race because it's now a new danger that's not marked in the road book. So yeah. it's like you've got to be super cautious of that um, and everything. So I don't think there was too much chaos-wise of cars rolling, flipping, doing yeah. anything like that. But I think it was just for them the biggest bit of carnage was it was there was no lines in the mm. dunes. There was no lines in the desert because the motorcycles weren't out the front yep. leading the way. So, yeah, the like Shorty, Andrew Short, this, well, last year was with the bikes. And then, um, yeah, this year she he rode with uh, Molly Taylor from Australia here yep. with the Can-Am. And he's like, dude, he said, it's like a freeway. Like when you're in the cars, he said, you can see where all the bikes go. And, wow. yeah, you just kind of sit there and... Yep. yep, follow along and follow the way and just call dangers and yep. check notes to make sure that, yeah, this is kind of pretty much the right cap and stuff like that. So he said, yeah, it's much easier on the mind it's my, and 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 heaps safer to be in the car for sure. But it's um, he said, yeah, the navigation side of things is, is quite simple and easy in the car. He said there's still some technical bits that you yep. you got to keep an eye on and whatnot, like the the car and the Can-Am can't climb some of the dunes that we go directly straight up. Yep. But they know that we went that way. So they've just, they go left or right of the dune, go around and go, all right, sweet, we can go back this way, blah, 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 cut back across and then see the tracks and straight back on the tracks and keep going again. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but we, we, the bike guys had some entertainment that day, that's for <laughs> sure. So you see the boys, yeah. Yeah, basically dancing around in the desert, going backwards and turning around, cutting left, cutting right, and <laughs> having a bit of fun. So it was, uh, yeah. Then that was basically our our first pretty much week was done. Then so it was, yep. and like I say, by day eight we were 400 kilometres shy 
of the total um, stage um, kilometres uh, in Dakar 2022. So we, we yeah. still had another six days of racing to go. And the terrain looked different. Yeah, so this year we we started like on the coast, kind yeah. of went like north, and then we cut all the way back down to the other side of Saudi. So like, uh, I guess kind of like uh, east, more east side. Yep. And then we cut back up north to back to the other side of the coast on, yep. on the east side. So, um, yeah, so we kind of yeah went, went southeast down and then went back up north a little bit to the coast. So it was definitely different terrain a little bit this year. The first week was just stones and rocks and riverbeds. It was like, I just want to get out of wow. just square edge, stony, rocky, like your wrists were feeling like beat to hell at the end of a stage. <laughs> and um, not only that, yeah, you're just riding along. Next thing, the rear end just kicks sideways on you just from a rock you didn't see kind of tucked away yep. behind a little tiny bush or something like that. So it was... Um, yeah, the first week was a, a good test for us to kind of really iron out the the, the results for the, the second week. What were the dunes like? Like just sitting sitting at home watching the coverage. One of the days in particular, I think it was the second week, looked huge. Were they bigger than normal? Like bigger than normal, some of the dunes? Yeah, this year I feel we had some more yeah. decent style, like bigger dunes and stuff. Yep. So... Um, yeah, we, we definitely had some there where we were like kind of even on edge on the bike trying to climb and, and wow. get over. So, and that's you just trying to hit the thing pinned and wide open and get to the top. So, um, yeah, like I, I feel like it was a pretty good mix this year. Like the course, I didn't mind it. It was pretty, majority of it was, was fun. Um, but yeah, for sure that first week was just as soon as that countdown board said go, um, it was just stones from there till the finish. And it was like, oh, I just want to get into some sand and yep. something that's a little bit easy. But then you get into camel grass and it's like, oh, it's virtually the same thing as stones. The bike's like this everywhere on you and you're trying to, wow. yeah, work. You're working your backside off to try and stay on the thing. And so, but it, well, like I say, it was a really good mix of um, dunes and that this year and um, super like compacted dunes where it was like you didn't really sink so much the bit of rain kind of gave yep. it that little bit more of a like a compact feel and then there was other parts of the dunes that were just super soft sketchy you're coming down and like big embankments and then you hit the bottom and the thing just wants to stop and bury itself and so it was yeah it was, it was a good mix of of all terrain which was cool now, you're someone that doesn't get cold. <laughs> like, i seen the coverage, right? I'm watching, I'm like, that actually looks cold. You look yeah. cold in some of the sections, like some of the footage. Yeah. yeah. It was proper cold, yeah? It was, yeah, like I, for me, I, I don't mind the cold for sure. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's like, for some reason this year, it just kind of got to me a little bit. And, yeah, for sure it was cold, for yeah. sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, just like my bones just could feel it a little bit more this Ooh. year. So I was like, <laughs> something's changing. Um, because that's, yeah, all the boys were like, oh, you got a jacket on today. What, what yeah. the hell's going on here? Like, 
you never wear a jacket. Like, you, you, you just ride the bike and cruise up the road and it is what it is. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, yeah, it's a bit, bit fresh this morning. But, yep. yeah, the, at the end of the day, too, maybe all those years ago, I probably should have put a jacket on because yeah, it was pretty, like, nice <laughs> to stay warm and comfortable yeah. for the 300k liaison ride in the morning. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's definitely normally it gets, like, a little fresh in the morning and then gets pretty warm through the day. Yep. And then at late in the afternoon, it starts to kind of cool off a little bit again. But, yeah, this year just didn't really seem to warm up so much. So, yeah, we were, we were putting some jackets on and trying yeah. to keep warm a little bit. And uh, I guess at some point I've got to start looking after the body. Yeah, I guess so. It happens. <laughs> Mate, it happens. Airbag, did it did it uh, deploy on that one with Breda? Yeah, with Breda, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. So it deployed. deployed the camel pack, popped. Probably all the same time. Exploded yep. and took off and drenched me and um, yeah. So I think I think I had my airbag jacket only go off once. So that was in that crash, and then I probably had two other little like tiny slip ups that yeah. And the airbag didn't really yep. realize it um, and didn't explode and. Um, yeah, protect us on that side. Like, but they weren't big crashes. It was like one that was at the bottom of a dune. I was looking at the top of the hill and was like, all right, I need to get up to the top of there. And I, just as I started to accelerate and then start to look up, it was just like there was a like a small little cut embankment, but it was yep. just like invisible. And the front just hit that and then just basically just just, just washed out and Damn. fell over. Um, and then I think, yeah, it was another one in the dunes where I kind of just basically got stuck a little bit and yep. then tried to... F- flip and turn around and fell over and that was about it so it was uh yeah like i say i think three crashes in dakar this year one decent ish one but i come out of it no problem um two very minor ones that would just yeah fall over and get straight back on so so what happens with the deploy one like i I know in road racing like it's easy because you're at a circuit Mm. like you're in I'm going to say bush because I'm such a, such an Aussie. <laughs> you're not in the bush. You're out in the sand, right? Yep. But like, does it just um, just um, deflate and then just go back to normal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't so have to like, do anything. No, no, don't have to do nothing. Mm. So in our like in the back part of our jacket, that's why you you see we've got like a big mm. lump on the back of us. Yep. Um, that's yeah where the, the we have two canisters, two charges. Yep. Um, in there, so. You crash once, one canister will go off, um, and then I think it's about a minute, minute and a half. The the airbag jacket's basically then kind of fully deflated. Yep. Um, and then we have like a second charge. So if um, yeah we were to crash a second time, we have that charge, and then you crash a third time, then you're you're on your own. There's no yeah. airbag jacket. So back to how you were. <laughs> back to how we normally were. Yep. So um, yeah. Look, I. It's, I don't know, it's one of the things, I hate wearing the thing, like, because it's, it's like just telling someone to go and put a garbage bag on himself yep. and then go and ride in 25 degree heat for the day and you're not really getting like a cool kind of breeze on you, yep. like to kind of cool you off. But with the conditions how it were this year, being a cooler conditions, it kind of helped, it was like, it was like a more of a comfortable feel to have with it. Yep. But if it's like 40 degrees, like I'd... I'm dreading the day we have to be in 40 degree heat in that thing because it's it's gonna roast us like it's gonna gonna start it's cooking gonna stop, us from inside out. Stop your ventilation, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just a blocker for that. It's yep. just yeah, a big block yep. of like a bag on front of you basically. So um, yeah, I 
I, I feel it's good for the sport for sure. Like it's uh, when it does deploy and go off and when you've had a crash um, in cool conditions, it's unreal. Like yep. it's it's probably the best thing we will kind of wear. Um, helmet and that thing is probably the biggest safety mm. things we've got now. So, um, yeah, but like on that 40 degree day, I'm not looking forward to that. That's for sure. Yeah, I get that. I really get that. <laughs> Mate, we're up to a section where I want to ask you something and we can delete this if you want. All right? Yep. So the Olympic Village, right? When they go to the Olympics, (laughs) (laughs) so everyone's at the peak of their performance over there in in sport, right? Yep. They hand out tens of thousands of condoms when they go to the Olympic Village, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) What's a bivouac like? Like... It's not like that? It's not the total opposite? It is total opposite. (laughs) It is basically... Oh, well, I guess what they what they call it, sausage fest, really. Yeah. Um, there, there is female that do attend, um, but yeah, half of them are part of a group, married to a driver, yeah. um, maybe a rider, maybe part of a crew and team and whatever. Yep. Um, but yeah, majority there's. There's definitely none of that yep. stuff going on in our camp. So <laughs> the, the thing I looked at with it too, like <laughs> Olympic race is 100 metres is in 10 seconds, Yep. right? <laughs> and then like the swimming is done in, you know, the longest race is 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, you're out for days. You just want to come back and sleep. Yep. Like everyone's just so tired as well. I'm like, it doesn't happen, but I've never asked you. <laughs> and I'm like, it's no, just well, something I, I thought. Well, that's, I like, yeah, yeah, shit. That's, um, yeah. yeah, I guess if they gave you... <clears throat> what is it, 14 days and they gave you 14 condoms, you'd probably come home with 30 of them because, <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, yeah, I guess you'd be at the, at the dinner table like using them as the colours to gamble and do something. like trading play, cards. Trading cards or something. It'd be like playing Pokemon with condoms or something. But <laughs> you would, yeah, you're definitely not using the things, that's yep. for sure. Nah, get it, mate. I get it. Just sort of like, yeah. it's like, maybe I should have been an Olympian. <laughs> yes, yeah, they get the they get the good deal. They Your sport's done deal. in ten seconds. Yeah. Um, week two, we, we basically blazed through week one because it was a pretty nice, you know, smooth, somewhat week. Yeah. Yep. Um, moving into week two, and it's sort of like what they say about Bathurst: it's the last thirty laps of the race, isn't it? Yes. You yeah. know that whole week. Um, yeah. How, how did you feel getting into week two? Were you pretty fresh? Like. You said your back was a bit jacked, but we were pretty fresh at that point still? Yeah, really. At that point, like like I say, at the moment, like, yeah, my, my hands, that's from Dakar. Yeah. Um, didn't blister anywhere for that's the good. whole race and didn't tape. The only thing I was taping at that point in time um, was my thumb, basically. So I'd just, I'd wrap around my thumb here just to stop my thumb from going this way because I don't think it's still quite strong in that yeah, direction right. from that crash in Morocco where they sliced me back open here and reattached some stuff and um, some ligaments and everything. So I was just more so trying to protect that to not give me any grief for that second week. Um, yeah, it didn't hinder anything. But honestly, yeah, besides from that crash, a bit of a small, bit of a jacked up left yeah. side of my back. Um, yeah, the second week I was feeling somewhat fresh like it yeah definitely weren't feeling brand new but um i was definitely ready for the second week to to get underway and um yeah attack as as hard as we could bike good at that point yeah yeah honestly bike was good even the crash with uh with Breda and that like honestly for how big it was and like for him he was asleep 
for probably a minute, minute and a half wow. in the desert. Um, so it wiped him out, wiped me out. But honestly, I, di- I didn't even didn't even bend or break bars, didn't break a lever, didn't even tear the front tower or nothing off the bike. So it just kind of must have like flipped me over the front and then yeah. just like went somehow back to its wheels and then just fell straight to its side and come to a stop. And that was about it. So bike was all good. Um, yeah, had no issues with that. We weren't, I wasn't adjusting or changing too much stuff. I, I did go a little firmer with the shock, um, in valving. And then I did go in a few clicks on the forks just for the dunes because that second week was going to be more predominantly dunes and like drop-offs and stuff. So I just wanted something a little bit firmer to catch those if I got caught out on one. Um, But, yeah, everything else then was, yeah, fine and dandy and we are ready to take on week two. How how good's that, eh? To be able to just get through that whole first week pretty much untouched bike-wise, like, you know not touching this and that overnight. Um, yeah, so I think at that point we are like 4,400 yeah. 4, kilometres total stage yeah. racing. Um, no, sorry. Uh, no, because we were 4,400 total, I think. So, yeah, we are at like two and a half or something like that. I think, yeah, whatever it was. I, I, I know they said by the rest day we were 400 kilometers shy of the total racing distance yeah um of like stage time so uh yeah that's what i mean to still we basically then just had another um i guess it was like an abu dhabi world yeah. um championship race to go so you're like Phew. like i've already done dakar now, literally, the second week we're yep. lining up to do round two of the world championship in Abu Dhabi. So it's like, yeah, this is it's going to be a tough slog this second week. That's huge, eh? When yeah. you put it like that, you're yeah. breaking two events down completely. Yeah, hundred percent. That's like, yeah. When they did that, then I was like, going, okay, this. Uh, I didn't really put a picture it like nah. this. I didn't really want to. And now yep. that you've told me it's like that, for now. Now I do feel tired, so yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but no, it was um like I say, everything was good, and we um basically then just yeah wanted to start to situate ourselves a little bit more towards the front, and like I say, like last year's average time we're getting lost was like seventeen, fifteen to seventeen minutes. Um, so they brought this new rule in with the the bonus time with for the first, second, and third place guys leading the stage out. Yeah. So. If you got to certain waypoints and by the refuel, you were the guy leading out the stage. If it was like a 400-kilometre stage, you could then potentially earn up to six minutes back in yep. bonus time. So at the first week, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not worried about bonus time. Everyone was getting lost for 17 minutes last yep. time. So six minutes is not going to make a difference yep. to the time. But then how the roadwork kind of played out, like it was still difficult navigation, but it was explained better in the roadbook that we could understand it and kind of keep that rhythm and flow going. And yeah, everything was kind of working in the right direction. So then the second week you were like, well, no one's really getting lost and the bonus time's actually kind of helping Mm. the overall position. So it's like, Maybe I need to start getting 
instead of trying to get those fourth, fifth, and sixth, and now yep. it's like I need to get them second, third, and fourth positions to try and start like collecting some bonus time yep. back. Um, yeah, so then we just kind of try to focus on that. Not like I say, not winning stages still, but just trying to get that bit of bonus time and just yep. try and help the the overall a little bit for that second week and. Um, yeah, like I said, we only had a couple of minor mistakes and bits and pieces along the way, so it was nothing major. And like honestly, yeah, we had a really good stage results from yes yeah, nine, ten, mm. eleven, twelve. Um, yeah, everything was in the right position by stage yeah twelve ish. Yeah, we were sitting third or second yep. outright. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we got the overall lead with a few stages to go, a couple of stages to go. And, um, yeah, that second last stage, I was in that third place spot, um, trying to then basically, yes, like, like I say, Kevin was starting. So then I, by about like stage 11, 12, I then started to kind of say, well, it's now the race is kind of going to be getting decided between myself, um, Kevin and Skylar, yep. which is what it turned out to be. Um, so that gave me a bit of an idea of kind of see where I'd situate myself with those three guys. And and then, like I say, I guess you would hope that you could, like I say, stage 12, Matthias had that um, crash. So it was like... Virtually, if he was a minute and a half slower, yep. then Kevin would have started behind me um, on that second last stage and then wouldn't have had to stop for Matthias have that crash yep. on that second last stage. So that's what I mean. Like, it just all these little things can just fall into place. Yep. And, and like I say, it's not a, yeah, like Matthias crashing and hurting himself like he did. Um, yeah, super rad sportsmanship from Kevin to stop. Like, and that's our unwritten rule and code of yeah. um, rally racing and desert racing because we're so far from help. Um, but yeah, you come across an inj injured or a downed rider, you always stop. So it's just, um, yeah, it's good that he's done that. But then, yeah, like that crash kind of then helped put Kevin in a really good spot to then charge on for the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and come through and make a little bit more time on me. Um, so then, yeah, basically coming into that last stage, we had uh, a 12-second difference. So it was, um, yeah, that's what I mean. You, uh, you can't even dry yourself out of the shower in 12 seconds. So yeah. it's it was going to be all on on that last day. So, yeah, it's pretty wild. And I guess, you know... Everyone out there is a competitor, or twenty. What is it? Twenty-seven, twenty-eight in that in that class, like of uh, yeah, in the GP class. GP class. Yep. Like they're all mad competitors. Yep. Yeah. Everyone's sure. thinking they're the fastest guy on the planet. Mm. You know. Yep. Um, to come down to the last day for that, oh, it's just brutal. You yeah. know, someone's <laughs> got to lose it. <laughs> That's it. At the end of the day, there's there's always got to be some bloke that finishes second. second. There's always yep. got to be that first loser. And, um, oh, jeez. Man, you, competi <laughs> you competitors, eh? It's, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. You, but that's what it is. And that's, that's what it is. And that's yep. like, um, 
yeah, I, like I say, I'm I'm not bummed about for, like for sure I'm bummed about it, but I'm yep. not upset about it. I know we we had a s- super epic challenge um, between Kevin and Skylar. Um, yeah, and like I say, it's the closest ever finish in the bike category. Like you go back in 2000, like 98, and 2000, yep. there was by like the last stage, guys had a, a one hour lead coming wow. into the last stage. So they were like, oh, you know, the engine could be a little tired. It's a 15 minute penalty. But hey, let's just change the engine for for shits and giggles, just to basically ensure complete safety, and we're going to cross the finish line first. And that's like back in 2000, which what yeah, it's 12, 13 years ago. Um, it's, no, no, twenty. <laughs> math's really bad right now. <laughs> no, that's so, all right. <laughs> twenty to twenty-three years ago. You had a big month. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've used my head too much lately, but. Yeah, 20 to 23 years ago, yeah. in that bracket and that time, um, you you could afford to change an engine, whereas, like, you can't afford to do that now. No. Like, there's between this year, I think it was from one, from first to, I think it was like eighth, we were, like, separated by, like, 24. 22 minutes or 23 minutes or something. So you go from going, okay, the engine doesn't sound so good, like we need to change the engine. You go from first place back to eighth. Whereas, yeah, 20, 23 years ago, you change the engine and you're still in first place and you've still got a 45-minute lead. So I was like, hmm, it's uh, changed. It's changed a lot. So it's, um, yeah, and that's cool. Like it's... uh, being able to be kind of a part of that to bring a new speed to the sport and kind of everyone's caught up to um, to that pace. And realistically, I feel like you can only go that little bit more like with it because yep. like how we, we it's, it's, it feels physically impossible to read that road book be full gas wide open and and then when you finish a stage and someone's gone 30 seconds quicker you're like really i feel like that you can't get much more like if someone came back in and said oh i could have went 15 minutes faster in that stage then you'd be like mate you're dreaming like it's it's just not possible like you can't go much quicker than what the bike can do at the moment is capable of plus read the road book and not make one mistake yep. and be 15, 20 minutes quicker. The only way you're going to get a 15-minute gap on somebody is if you were the first guy leading out and it just went into a stony, rocky, sh- crappy area yep. and you navigated it perfect and then next thing, second place was in there riding around left, right and centre and yep. going this way, that way, couldn't find the way, second, third place gets a He's all confused because he's going this way and he wants he followed him and yep. next thing all of a sudden everyone just starts riding around in this one spot and you've nailed it perfect and then you've pulled 15 minutes away. Mm. That's about the only way you're going to make time, whereas now everyone's pretty, pretty damn consistent, pretty strong in navigation, all manufacturing bikes pretty damn close to similar, yep. um, super reliable. 
Um, yeah, everyone's more or less crossing the finish line nowadays, whereas before you'd have maybe one of our bikes drop out, yep. a couple of the Hondas drop out, and then a few of the Yamahas, and then before you know it, Yep. You just basically had to sit there and wait and try and look after the engine yep. because everyone else is going to cook theirs and cook their clutch or something like that. Yep. But clutch components are so much better. Engine components are so much better. Everything's super reliable and you're going to have 10, 12 guys battling for that top step. So, sprinting. Yeah, and then sprinting. Yep. So, it's yeah, it's something pretty cool to be a part of, that's for sure. So with that, like uh, you say, two or three more years is, you know, a fair and easy assumption. It just it just can't get, like, it's like a computer speed. You're at the top of a processor. Yeah. Like, it's hard enough for follow people in the road trying to navigate down the road and they're looking at the dash or something, right? Yeah. I can only imagine sitting up on, you standing up on your bike, looking down at your tower, trying to miss camel grass. Yeah. Yep. Like there's only so much processing speed too, isn't there? That's right. Exactly. That's you know? what I mean. I feel the speed where it's at, like you could, you could probably, you could only going to be squeezing yep. one or two more minutes out of it realistically. So it's, yeah, to try and say that, yeah, I can go 15 minutes faster. It's like, wow, the, the processing speed of that, yep. if somebody can do it, hats off to you, but I'll, yeah. I'll come over and shake your hand and do whatever like yep. it, and and like we say that now but like i'd say maybe in 10 years they're gonna go geez like we're so much faster than back in 2015 yep. 2020 and 2025 and yeah in another 10-15 years time they're probably gonna be yeah flying around on little electric bikes through dakar you never know like you never it's know. just it's, yep. and then yeah you don't then have to deal with rocks and stones and yep. um yeah climbing up over dunes it's like you're flying through the valleys and yeah. riding a flying dirt bike <laughs> like, yeah type thing so you just don't know but it's when you look at it here now and when you sit here you're just like i just i feel it can't go much faster and it's yep. like I physically can't read that road book quick enough to then check the kilometres to make sure I've turned at the right point and right distance to then check the white, the, the right cap heading and I'm yep. heading 240 degrees and then, yep, everything's sweet and now, now I've got to press the toggle switch forward and roll the road book through to get to the next note so I know exactly where I need to turn at that. Like, and it's, oh, yeah, hang on, I need to wind the throttle on so I go 160 kilometres an hour and... Yeah, it's just there's so much to process and it's, yeah, it's hard, hard going <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and it's, it's way too much. Like I just, I just sit there and I'm like, wow, there's just so much to do with it. Yeah. Now the bonus points, like first week, yeah, here nor there, second week, total overall, you reckon you're a believer in that idea? Yeah, look, honestly, I think in, in some way that is definitely a, a good direction to go. Yep. Um, kind of does stop the um what do they call it where you sandbag sandbagging yeah, yeah. where you kind of like sandbagging and stuff but there's also there's there's still going to be that day you need to sandbag a little bit like to just kind of but the thing is we don't know what's coming in the next stage and like yep. we might sandbag and then the next day stage is super easy no navigation really like it's yep. all free flowing wide open full gas and you've 
charged hard all day long and then all of a sudden you've only won the day by seven seconds, yep. you're like, well, to sandbag the day before to try and make up and bring back a hell of a lot of time, yep. it's now kind of shot me in the foot. I only made seven seconds. Like instead of me feeling like I'm going to make 10 minutes on the guys, mm -hmm. I made seven seconds. So it's like it's hard to know because we don't know the next day's right. route or yep. like what it's going to entail, what's going to be coming for it. Um, so, but like, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer, I think in this bonus time, it definitely has its bonuses, but yep. then it's, it's sometimes too, it can have its negative where, yeah, okay, you've led the stage out. Um, you've might've had that easy day. It's been all perfect, smooth, easy sailing. Yep. And you've gone, all right, I, I want to lose, like lose that time, but I need to try and keep that first bonus bit of time. Mm -hmm. And then you might have only lost the day by three minutes, yeah. but then because you got a six-minute bonus given back to you, then you've won the day by three minutes. Yeah. Then you're like, well, I didn't really want to lead out another day. Like now it's ah, like true. I'm going to mentally drain myself again. Yeah. So that's like mm -hmm. it's, there's another aspect of you're up in the clouds. You just don't know what's going to yep. pan out with it. So, um, yeah, I, I like the idea of it. I think it for sure should stay around. Um, the 160 speed limit rule, I feel like it wasn't really a, a big help to us. Like um, I think percentage-wise over the whole race, I reckon I'd say six, seven percent of it may yep. have been at over 100 and would have been at close to 160 kilometers an hour. Yep. Um, so I don't feel it's a huge big benefit. And in my theory on it as well is that it's some guys got some penalties for going 162 or 163 and a big wide open piece or something. Yep. But it's something else for us to kind of manage and yep. look after. And at 160 kilometres an hour and you've got to take your eyes off the track mm. to look at the road book to make sure you're doing the right cap to then quickly check that you're doing 158 kilometres an hour, you cover a lot of ground yeah. that time of taking your eyes off just to quickly scan all that stuff. So whether you crash at 158 kilometres an hour or you crash at 180 kilometres an hour, it's more or less going to be the same outcome. Yeah. Like it's 20... yet. Yeah, it's 20 kilometers an hour difference. It's like saying to somebody, jump in a car, drive up the road at 20 k's an hour and jump out the door and just roll up the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure it's going to hurt. But from one, say 160 to the 180 mark, yeah. it's it's already going to hurt a hell of a lot. So 20 k's an hour extra on top of it ain't really going to be that much. Yep. So it just it's something else extra to kind of monitor and look for and it's kind of, I guess... A little more frustrating yeah so i feel it doesn't have a big benefit by having it yeah and like i say it's only like five six percent of seven percent of the race like and it's um that we're wide open full gas doing 100 over 160 kilometers an hour so um what was the other rule change we had um because that's like like what we said at the start about during your suspension. You dial your suspension in for the, that part because that's the part that hurt the most. Yeah. Once you're above a certain portion, it's just going to be the same damage to yourself. Like yeah. it's, it's negligible. Once you get over point. that 
80, yep. 90 kilometers an hour range, it's going to hurt. It's going like, to hurt, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter, like, how yep. much protection you've got on, how much, like, gear you've got on, the whatever. It It's still going to hurt. Like, and it's like yep. I say, it's like, yeah, driving up the road, down the freeway, in a car, doing 80 kilometers an hour, 100 kilometers an hour, and then just going, open the door and yep. jumping out. And it's like then tumbling yourself up the road. So you say that to somebody, you go, hey, yeah, jump out of the car. They're not going to do it. Like no there's way. no way in the world. <laughs> like they're going to go, that's going to hurt. Yep. But when you're on the bike, that's just a normal thing and you crash at 80 kilometers an hour and you get up and brush yourself off. Sometimes you get lucky and you're not really hurt. Yeah, you're winded, a bit bruised up. Yep. But, yeah, you hopefully going to get up out of those. But if it's any faster than that, it's very, very small percentage where you'll get up and walk away from a 140-kilometer-hour yep. crash. Yep. So that's the one where you sort of just just let it let it be. Let me have something else to concentrate on, yeah. the track. You yeah. know, that's the safest thing to do is to concentrate on your Let me focus on the road book. Yep. Let me focus on my kilometers and cap headings yep. and focus on the track. Yep. Like that... To me, I feel like it needs to just kind of go away because there's really a very small percentage of that speed that we do it yep. at Dakar. Um, and like I say, we you, you would find the majority of the injuries and people crashing out of the event is like at a 70, 80 kilometre hour speed mm. through a rocky riverbed. Like, wow. And that's like... Because you're riding along, you're trying to like look and everything and you're moving, yep, sweet, no, we'll go this way. Next thing, bang, you hit one stone that you didn't quite register or see or it's kind of hidden. It looked like it was more rounded but it was more squared up and just had a violent sharp edge to it. Yep. Um, then land on a pile of rocks and cartwheel yourself up there, 70, 80 kilometres an hour, that's going to hurt. And you, and that's, yeah, I guess what happened to Sam. Like yep. it's... um. He hit one stone hidden under this little sand trap type thing in the rocky riverbed and, yeah, and cracked the back of a shoulder blade or something, I think. Yeah, so right. it's, um, yeah, that's what I mean. Those ones, they still hurt and still going to be, yeah, 160 k's an hour trying to monitor that and then look down and go, yep, yeah, do 158, look up, and there's huge big square edge, camel yeah. grass, something. That's going to be, yeah, lights out and finished. Yeah. So it's crazy. Mate, how, how, do you, how do you do it? Like, it, it, say in the second week, it's like doing the next round, right? Like, how, how do, you, do you break it just down into days? Like, it's so much to pro, like, it's so much, so much distance. Mm. Like, do you, like, put it into a small perspective. You know, when we go mountain biking, right? Yep. You go, okay, we might go for 40Ks. Okay, 10 here then the back section is this. Do you break it down into into those days just to try and get through it? Or are you, are you just so excited to do it? Like what? Where, uh, like the, how, how? Yeah. The first couple of stages, yeah, you, you're kind of excited mm. to get out there and get yep. moving. Yeah, around like your stage four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Feels like a bit of a bit of a slog. Um, then you're like, yeah, stage six and stuff like you're kind of like mm, looking forward to rest day. Like it'd be just good yeah. to have a full day off and just relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, you get the rest day, then it's like a super weird feeling then because then you're like, you know what? Like if we just didn't have this, like you, you get the first the morning, you're like, oh, this is amazing. I'm laying in a bed, yeah. relaxing, chilling, 
had breakfast, not in a rush and not getting dressed at three o'clock in the morning to go yep. and ride the bike and everything. But then you get to about two o'clock in the afternoon, you go, geez, that time went really fast. Like maybe we should just like, maybe we shouldn't just have a rest day. Like it'd just be nice to, that's another day done. And mm. then, cause after rest day, we had six days still to go. Yeah. So you're like, if we didn't have that rest day, now we'd only have five days to go. Like it's, mm. we'd be closer to the finish line. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't have had it. Like it would have been, just slog it out, just get it done and finish it and go home. So it's, it's a bit of a weird feeling, but like after that, yeah, like in the stages, you don't, yeah, you kind of, it's kind of broken up a little bit for you. It's because of the fuel stops we have in the stage. It's about, we normally do from about 170 to about 220 kilometers in yep. that first sector and that first leg because that's pretty much like 240 k's roughly our fuel limit that we can do yep. in a stage so it's kind of already kind of broken up for you so you're leaving you're sitting on the start line you're like all right sweet first kind of challenge just get to the fuel stop yeah so you kind of just try and make no mistakes to get to the fuel stop um, once you get there, then you're like, sweet, all right, I've had a good morning so far. Then you you started seventh or eighth for the day and then you pull into the thing and you're like, oh, yeah, there's still seven of the guys here. So, yep, sweet, now I'm, I'm roughly on time. So then you're trying to watch them take off into the second part of the stage and going, oh, he's more oh, my time. He's probably pulled about 30 seconds on me. Second place guy, yeah, I'm more or less pretty much tied with him. Oh, I've gained a lot of time on the next yep. guy so you're just trying to work out where everyone's pace is at a little yep. bit by fuel stop and then from there fuel stop to the finish um or we could have another fuel stop uh depending on how big the day is uh we if we got a 480 kilometer stage or something we might have one more fuel stop to do yep. um but then yeah we uh basically just set the site for the finish line then and then get that day done but the the worst part is yeah this year we had what was it stage uh 11 i think then we is it 12 no so stage 12 we had a 520 kilometer liaison after <sighs> the stage <laughs> so you're like you've done a i think it was a hundred and 50 kilometer stage um we did like 30 kilometers in the morning 150 kilometer stage and then they just go sweet here's 520 to do and you're just like oh nice that ride felt like it took forever like it just they're the draining ones that's like you just feel like you're in a world of nowhere and and you're riding along and you felt like you've ridden for an hour and you look down and you've done 48 kilometers and you're like that's only half an hour damn all right still got 450 kilometers roughly to go sweet okay then you look up and then 100 kilometers is done you're like oh she's 400 kilometers to go <laughs> and it just wow. just seems like it drags on so that was that was our biggest one we had straight we had two of those actually so we had to ride the 500 kilometers to get down to uh basically the sand real deep sand yep. stages we had um and then yeah 
two, three days later, we had to ride that 500 k's basically back. So there was like a thousand k's just on road, thinking and burnt, just riding and cruising along. So, so what's like? What's the road like? Like, is it good roads? Like, yeah, yeah the roads honestly really good. Open road, yeah. But dealing with like the Saudis on the road, like they don't care about you on the road. Like it's really? gnarly. Like you're riding, so you've got three lane highway, you go to pull out into the fast lane yep. to like overtake some cars or something. So you're in the right hand track of the car, yep. like the lane. So where the right hand wheels will go. Yep. So then you've got like the middle of the road where the left hand wheel goes, then you've got the solid line down the edge of the road. So you're in the fast lane already, overtaken a truck. Next thing, a Toyota Camry comes past you at 200 kilometres an hour. His right wheel's in your left wheel track. His left wheel's over the line, running along the guardrail, and just like blows, blows the plastics off your bike. And this is like, common. Really common. Like me and Skylar, there was one day, it's this exactly what happened. And like... He blew by me and then scared the hell out of Skylar. And then Skylar's just like throwing his hand up in the air and just going like, what the hell was that? Like, I'm lucky I'm still alive. Like, because literally all that would have taken is like if that yeah. truck just kind of veered a little bit and like, and your peripheral vision, yep. you kind of saw the truck kind of like whip the trailer at you and that, he could have just went across into that left yep. side and mm. and – You'd like, I don't even want to think of the yeah. end result, but that would have taken me out of the race for just someone doing 200 kilometers an hour on the freeway and don't care. Like I say, I think at one point there, I started counting how many um, uh, speed cameras that were going oh, off really? and flashing at us. They've got speed cameras, like little mobile box things that sit yeah. on the side of the freeway. Yeah. So there's some sections it might be a 90 kilometer section coming out of a town yep. or a city or something. And we're able to do on our GPS, it says we can do a, up to 130. So you normally sit on about one, anywhere from 115, 120, just yep. yeah, to be safe, conservative. Um, so yeah, you're like in a 90 K zone, next thing, poof, thing goes off, flashes in your face, but we don't, we sounds great we don't get the tickets or nothing for them yep so at one point there i think i was up to i counted about 28 um speed camera flashes <laughs> i'm like oh there's no one then you see you see the box and yep. you're like riding along and you're just like hey oh, yeah, boy yeah doing 120 sweet yeah there's another one give him like yeah give him a thumbs up <laughs> thing goes off in your face again <laughs> so you're like waving to him and stuff <laughs> like that but yeah, you, you, we don't cop none of none of them. You're exempt like, from that. Yeah, kind yep. of exempt a bit from that because they, the government knows. That, yeah, you're there to yep. do the race. You're on a time limit. You're doing this, so they they tell the organisation we can go 130 kilometres now. Like they yep. set our rules for us. The police set the rules for us. Mm -hmm. um, everything like that. So they say, oh yeah, maximum speed limit's 130, and yeah, you can pretty much do 130. Yep. Like if you come into the towns and stuff like that, real like small villages, just common knowledge is slow down and yep. whatever and just do a slower pace. You know, for sure, I'm not going to do 130 through yeah. a small village where there's cars pulling out of little tight corners and yep. stuff like that. But, well, yeah, as soon as you're on the freeway and 
um, emerging lanes, 90Ks or something, yep. and then there might be a bit of a big sweeping bend. It might tell you to do be doing 90 on speed limit, and but yeah, you're doing 120, and bang, yeah. off it goes. And so yeah, at one point there, I was like, oh, I'm going to count how many I get for a, for a Dakar rally, and I got up to about 28, and it was like, I'm going to lose count. And I think that was by about a bit after rest day. So yeah, so it was. Yeah. I'm sure I'll never get a license in Saudi, that's for sure. I was going to say, one day you'll <laughs> go back. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You're not leaving from here. You're not leaving from here. You've got, uh, yeah, $20,000 worth of tickets here. <laughs> it's like, whoop. Oops. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so other than that, then it was just, uh, yeah, as we explained at the start, that first, that last day of chaos with yep. all the waypoints and bits and pieces of that. and um, Did the water... Play a part, like it, it, like what we see on TV. We only see hundreds of meters. You don't get. It's so hard yeah. to damn cover. But was it a very very flooded stage? That last stage, yeah, yeah. for sure. Like, yeah. um, uh, so I think was it Nacho rides for the Honda team. Yeah. Um, he started like, I think he was like seventh or eighth by that time. So that basically meant he started about. 20 minutes, 20 so minutes in front of me. Yep. So riding through the stage, it was 130-kilometre stage or 35 kilometres, and about 15 kilometres from the finish, like, he was riding along super slow. And yep. I was like, oh, she's, he's had a big one, and he's just rattled himself, and he's just trying to get to the finish line and get yep. there. And then when he got to the finish line and that, and I'm like, hey, dude, you're all good. And every, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm all good. I'm all good. I'm like, Ooh what happened like what do you what did you do the yeah. last day oh I, I drowned the bike like back like uh. right at the start pretty much and so there yeah, was like some bits there it was super slick like it was like we were riding on ice um yeah so it was it was it was a curveball yeah. last day that a lot of people at the start were like we've had a lot of rain a lot of storms roads super slippery stage probably shouldn't be happening because there's yeah we've already done well well enough of to be a dakar race yep um but yeah you gotta go ahead with it and go and race it and yeah it was it was pretty sketchy at times and it was like then like i say real soft sand in camel grass and then because we were like the last bikes to take off it was all the guys kind of making really average ish yep like snotty lines in the in the sand and everything so it was quite violent once you start doing 100 and 110 k's an hour or plus whatever in it yeah the bike was like wow she was kind of a wild stage and i was like if it comes to an end now because i've just crashed my brains out like i'm gonna kick myself but then you're like well i want to win the thing so i need to let it hang out and go for it yeah but then you're like well then it's like a second place not too bad like i don't want to sit here and then get stuck in the mud and then i've then dropped from first to fourth like yeah. and then i'm off the podium so it was like there were so many different things going through your head at that time because it was yeah snotty rainy muddy section and then you're like i've got to make sure that like i don't over break and miss the turn because now the 20 minute radius is like i better not be on the wrong track because yep. it's so slick and now if i just see the arrow do this and then I stab on the brakes to try and go that way. The thing's going to uh, send me up like down the track. And so it was, um, 
yeah, a lot to juggle in that last day and um, try and make it work. But, yeah, then uh, once I've, that uh, waypoint kind of kicked me in the backside, then um, then you're kind of only going, well, I'll charge hard. Like, I think from when I made the mistake, then I lost all my time. Then I was like a minute 58 seconds down or something. Yeah. Um, and then for that last section, yeah, I made up a minute and 15 seconds or something. So, so like, I was definitely faster. I know that. Yes. Because like, in that last section of it, like, and all that camel grass where it was real snotty, shitty, like, technical. Yeah. And, like, not say, like, Kevin, like, I knew Kevin was going to struggle in that because he's a smaller guy, lighter on the bike, and the bike's already kind of playing around a little bit on me and I'm bigger than him. I'm like probably 25, 30 kilos heavier than him. Yep. Um, I knew my size and my weight, I was going to make a, like a better stage time in it. Yep. But like with that mistake costing me a hell of a lot. Um, like I say, I was in a, in a, I think it was about a four, no, it was about 50 kilometer section. Like I'd pulled a minute 15 back on him. So it was like a lot of time. As a lot of time, and yep. in when you say put it over fifty kilometres, it probably doesn't sound like so much. But like when it was all pretty much the same track for it and whatever, and we were, yeah, and you're in the rally on the last day, pretty much trying to risk it to try and win the yep. race. Um, yeah, we, we we clawed back some time, and the guys said said that at the end. They're like, "Poor, you were you were on the move at the end." I said, "Yeah, well, I'd." made that mistake and I was like I was grabbing every last bit of the straw I possibly <laughs> could to just hope come that on. I'd come out the other end of it and um, be at the right end of it but I said 43 seconds short hurts but we're here yep. so now it was uh, she was an adventure that's for sure mate I won't keep you much longer yep. I just got a couple of little ones go for it yeah I'm in so you do have that you do have that head noise of um, you know Second's all right. Oh, no, I should go first. Like, did you sleep the night before, the last one? Like, did you yeah. get a good sleep? Like, yeah. What, or were you just thinking about things? Like, what, you're pretty good? No, look, on, honestly. Because um, you had 12 seconds. Yeah, I only had like, 12 seconds. Yeah. Um, so you probably think, yeah, it's a bit strange to say, yeah, I could have slept easy. But honestly, I it was, it was a big day the day before. Like I said, yep. it was that 500-kilometer liaison. Yeah. So you're already kind of pretty drained flat tired so yeah like honestly 12 seconds yeah it's a nerve-wracking position to be in nerve-wracking position for kevin to be in but honestly I, I i know i slept really good yeah i know i woke up the next day feeling good i know i rode the last stage super quick fast yep. could have made some really good time back on kevin bar that mistake but that mistake did cost me, and yep. that's that's what it is. And um, yeah, I didn't didn't stress about it really. Like it's end of the day for sure. My, my main goal was to win the race, and that's from the very first time I went yep. to the race in 2015. Um, but I was like, yeah, it hurt on the liaison right after the finish line. Well, like straight away at the finish line to get slapped for that and go, yep, nah, you're second, sorry, mate. And you're like. Yeah, just let it all go. Um, celebrations and that there. I said, congrats to K 
Kevin and Skylar and that boys definitely put on a good show and everything. Um, still bummed, but then by the time we had a hundred k liaison to get back to the bivouac, by that point in time, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I came up with or didn't come up with. It just I was said to myself, it's like it's the first time I'm going home, not having to have any yeah. a surgery, something fixed, something, nothing's broken, nothing feels sore. I'm not beat to hell. Um, it's the first time I'm going to go home in one piece with a trophy, with hardware. And, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, six podiums out of nine attempts. Um, I think there's only one other rider that's at, sitting at four podiums in the same amount of time. Like in yeah. the nine, the last nine Dakars, they've been on the podium four times. So... Yeah, when you look at that, I'm like, well, I'm definitely consistent. Like um, nine times out of ten when I cross the finish line, I have a trophy in my hand. Yep. Um, it's something I'm pretty pretty damn proud of. Um, and, yeah, to have two wins, a second and three thirds, yeah, it uh, would be nice to have all six firsts, but <laughs> it's just not the case. So yeah. it, it is what it is, and, um, yeah, I'm happy with it. Mate, so it's it's – it's an unreal record. Like, yeah. it really is. Like, yeah. it's – especially, no discredit to anyone in, in the past, but in the era yeah. of – it's it's just uh, – professional sport globally, in whatever sport you're talking about, yep. is its absolute peak. Yeah, So, it just – yeah, very, That's it. very like, cool, it's mate. not taking anything away from no. Coma or Cyril Dupree. No way. At that point in time, it was, it was those two guys. It was yep. – when you were going into Dakar, it was putting – 50% on him and 50% on him. Correct. And that was it. Yep. And then now we're dealing with 12 to probably 15 guys that could possibly win the race. And then, like I say, between first, second and third was a total of just over five-minute difference. Yep. Um, and then from first, second, 43 seconds, um, yeah, there's, there's no room for error. So... Yeah, it's, it's not taking nothing away from the other guys. They did an amazing job back all those years ago racing in Dakar and everything. Like, but, yeah, in, in times like it is now and the pace and the yep. the technology with the bikes and stuff, it's, yeah, nothing to be really sneezed at. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And, yeah, the other, other time I crossed the finish line, um, which was last year, um, was a 10th. Uh, without a trophy, that's the first time I rolled across the finish line, went yep. to the bivouac, dropped my bike back to the team and didn't have any hardware in my hands. And I was like, whoa, this is a mm. bit of a different feeling and it's not so good, but it can happen. And that's yep. the thing. Um, the other two attempts I left in a helicopter. So, yep. um, yeah, six times to leave that place with a trophy, it's pretty rad. Absolutely. How, how do you how do you adjust, like... I think I know how you're just getting back to normal life. You're just hectically busy, yeah. right? Yeah. But you you do it's an extreme sport. Yeah, yeah. You do an extreme sport. You've got a sense of camaraderie. You're in a bivouac with a heap of other people that do the same thing. To come back home, how do you adjust? Well, trust me, it's still at this point in time, I I haven't adjusted. Um, yep. My sleep at the moment is terrible. Um, really? I'm like yeah, yeah, it's. Yep. So when I first got home, first night I was home, I think I was jet lagged, f tired. I got home at like five o'clock in the afternoon and just by the time I got to the house, 
Um, I think I crashed out by seven at night. And then I think I was up at midnight. Wow. But it felt like I'd slept all night and had a good full solid eight hours of sleep. Yep. And then I was just like wide awake till six in the morning. And then for some reason just felt like I was then tired again and just poof, crashed out for an hour and then woke up and just felt terrible. Wow. Um, so then it's like, yeah, then I, I kind of been able to just eight, nine, ten o'clock. Then literally last night, I think I went to sleep at about midnight to then just try and see if I can get myself back around to like waking yep. up at seven o'clock in the morning um, just to try and get my body back into that like kind of rhythm again. And But yeah, I've been, I've been a complete zombie the last three, four days. Yep. Um, I'm trying to do things in the shop and just keep my mind off things. But yeah, it's definitely not functioning and working properly. It's to try and design and make a bracket. I'm just, it's just all these numbers and stuff yep. floating around in my head and just going, I don't even know how to make this. I don't know <laughs> what way to go with this. And yeah, I'll just leave it alone. I won't touch it. So yeah. just another then, time. Another time. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's, it's mentally draining. Um, it, it, Definitely has not been an easy four or five days after yep. getting home, really. Mate, pretty much leave it there. Um, actually, we will. That's, yeah, <laughs> it's so much. It's so much to process, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Mate, appreciate you so much. Yeah. Absolute, you know, you, you've got all the time in the world for so many people. Um, thank you for making some for me. Nah, no, no, mate. It's all good. It's always, uh, always good to have a chat and see where everything's up to and stuff like that. And then we'll... Uh, yeah, we'll see what the future, I guess, holds for us. Um, like I say, we got the contract renewal in March, so hopefully that all goes to plan and then we'll hopefully yep. be able to chat about some more stuff of awesome. what the future holds. So Awesome, mate. But, uh, see, Abu Dhabi, so, yep. that's the next race, isn't it? Abu Dhabi's the next one. So yep. we'll um, we head off there in probably two and a half, three weeks' time. So, yep. yeah, really no time off. Um, we've just done 10,000 Ks and we're about to go and do another two and a half, 3,000 Ks in yep. four weeks four weeks' time from the finish of Dakar. So, um, yeah, it's straight back into the deep end, but it's uh, no, it's been good to chat and yep. catch up on it all, and I uh, appreciate you calling over. Cool, mate. Thank you. You. That's all we have time for in today's show. If you get the chance, head over to YouTube and hit subscribe on the Talk and Chatter page. Also, head over to iTunes and give us a star rating and a review there. It all helps to get the podcast out there. A big thank you goes to everyone that's been doing this already, and uh, we'll be back with another show soon.